Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast, Coming up on this episode... Wesley's knee, not as bad as we thought, but um, we're, yeah, we'll miss him for a few weeks. So you might see him playing again before the World Cup? Yeah, that's a possibility. It depends on how his rehab goes. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm joined in a virtual room, not full of Lions, there's only some of us today, uh, Chris and Ollie. But this week, I found some time to do some reading. Now, what I was reading, nobody asked. So thanks, guys. Uh, it was about what records. were you reading, Mikey? <laughs> it was about records that may never be broken in the prem- in Premier League history because obviously Haaland's breaking all of them. So you know some are going to stay. Hopefully, well, it took me to our fifteen goals conceded all season in the o four o five campaign, and in that season, Petacek missed three games of the Premier League season, but kept twenty five clean sheets and conceded only thirteen goals, which is still madness so guys can you name who scored those 13 I'll, I'll give you the name they the team they scored for and their nationality to make it a bit easier uh listeners can play along at home so Southam- i remember the first one i think go on go on was the first one either luke or stefan moore for villa no he's not even Ooh. on the list it was southampton no no southampton English. Uh, From like oh, James Beatty. Yeah, and it was a it was within I think a few seconds. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, like thirty seconds or something. Yeah, we did win that game. Um, one <laughs> one we didn't win was the next one. Manchester City French. Nicholas and Elka. Spot on. And this this younger listeners kids, this kids was when Man City kind of sucked. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a thing once. Yeah, they weren't very good back then. <laughs> this this one... that was back in the days of getting absolutely destroyed by Middlesbrough. Oh yeah, uh, even before then. Uh, I mean, right. Next one, West Brom, Hungarian. Uh, no idea. Absolutely uh, not. Uh, what was what? Uh, what was his name? He played for Hull as well. Yeah. Do you know what? I can see him. But I can't remember what his name is. Uh, well, his name was Zoltan Guerra. Zoltan Guerra. That's and, the one. And this next one, Fulham, Senegalese. Uh, Boobadil? Yep, rest in peace, because I didn't... Yeah, I, when I found that out, I was like, oh, it's one of those iconic names of Premier League history, really. Right, Bolton, English. Kevin Davis? Ke- it's Kevin Davis. Bolton, Tunisian. No, oh. Scooby. <laughs> just, oh, just, uh, to it, be fair, it, I was about it, six. It, <laughs> it's just old it, footballer names. Is it the defender? It is. Oh, uh, Toy, is it Toibi or something? No, something it's like Raddy Jaidi. Oh, yeah, that was him. Arsenal, French, two goals um, in this game. Henri. Yeah, Henri. <laughs> Norwich, <laughs> Norwich, English. He was a forward. Dean Ashton? No. Leon McKenzie. <laughs> oh, Crystal Palace, 
finish. No finish. way you'll get this. You won't get this. It was oh. it was Aki Rihalati. Oh yeah, that yeah. that well known player. Yeah. Southampton again, <laughs> English, not BT. No idea. Oh, they, they had so many English. More this fame, is when teams he, was littered for English players. He played for nearly, it felt like, every Midlands team. It, it could have been quite literally anybody. He also won the European Golden Boot once. Kevin Phillips. Kevin Phillips. Birmingham City, Uruguayan. And he liked one of our tweets once. So I'm a big fan of this guy. Uruguayan? Yeah. Played for Deportivo. No, oh no. Oh, is this the one who, who nope. was the nickname the rifle or something? Yeah, I think so. It should be. Yeah, I, I can't remember what his name is. Though. Walter Pandiani. Walter and Pandiani. Finally, Fulham. But he was born in Liberia, but represented the Netherlands. Fulham. A player. Funnily enough, his name switched around. Is another Fulham player. <laughs> oh well, um... going back in time. I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it. Listen, so we get on with the show. Collins John, uh, and there was. Yeah. I remember back in them days where people actually thought he was related to John Collins. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah. It's like, where do you get that? That that is that logic is horrific. It's just no. That is incredible. I know. Tom it, Collins it, and Collins John. Yeah, I, I, I know. It's just. Oh. So sometimes football just gives you a freebie. It, like it's that, just it? hilarious. I mean, right. As always, we do kick off the show properly for another round of who is that former blue and this former blue he played 72 times for Chelsea in his career so far he has won four league titles across two clubs he was included in the Champions League squad of the season for 14-15 and he has played with Ricardo Cavallo Axel Witzel Neto and Wesley Gasolina and I included that name because it just sounds brilliant so do you know <laughs> if you got it from that one awesome but any ideas on that no, no idea. <laughs> Wesley Gasolina. I've been I've been totally stumped by this opening trivia section of the podcast. I, I've been absolutely just torn apart. <laughs> Go on, Chris. You know this. Wesley Gasolina. Who 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 played with him? Name the other players again. Right. Neto, Axel Witzel, Ricardo Cavallo. Mm, no, I don't we'll, know. We'll see at the end. Yeah, so, we'll have to get the plugs later. <laughs> right, we'll head straight to that newsroom. See what latest is at Stamford Bridge. So, time to grab yourself a drink as we check out the news that you may have missed in the elevator of Chelsea News. Former Blue, Gonzalo Higuain has announced he will retire at the end of the current MLS season. Chelsea have decided to release their third kit officially, months after it was leaked online, weeks after FIFA 23 leaked it as well. Chelsea's 2023 summer transfer window plans are apparently Ajax's Edson Alvarez, Dortmund's Jude Bellingham, and the possibility of Declan Rice finally being available. Christopher Vivell will join Chelsea as technical director after he left RB Leipzig, where he was employed in a similar role. And finally in the news, the phrase park the bus made famous by our own Jose Mourinho has been added to the Oxford English Dictionary. 
So there you go. There's many other phrases that I was. There's, I think squeaky bum time was put on there as well. <laughs> so she imagine opening the dictionary and go, oh hello. And oh, they say yeah. the UK has no culture. Oh, it's amazing. That dictionary gets just usually just TikTok words usually. But hey, proper football phrases. So any anything in the news you wish to 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 touch on even further? I'm really interested in this Christopher Vell appointment. Uh, mm. I think that's going to be a really, really interesting, you know, because it's a technical director role, but it's not a sporting director role. Something um, like Petr I think, Cech, I think. Yeah, something essentially coming in to fulfill what, what was Petr Cech's role before he left, which mm. is good for a few reasons. As one, it takes some of the strain off Bowley doing everything. Um, and two, it puts an actual professional in charge, which you know, can't be a bad thing. And especially if we're looking to replicate the success of the, the Red Bull group, especially in the multi-club model, uh, it would certainly, it certainly seems like, you know, if you can't beat them, join them sort of. We're buying Red Bull. I'm I'm certain of it. <laughs> I'm convinced. It just gets weirder every week. I mean, oh. It, it does. It's sort of one of them appointments in it where it's a bit like he'll come in and He'll do something, but no one will actually know what it is. Mm, yeah, is it, that's like so outside, true. Out, out, outside the club, it's like, what does he do? Nobody knows. But and the thing is, as well, it will be impossible to tell what actually his impact is until months and years down the line. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, Nkunku is coming, mate. Well, we hope so. I mean, that seems to be, you know, never know resources. So to be fair, if he's playing a part in recruitment, I'd say... Not just not just Leipzig, but the whole sort of Red Bull mm. clubs have had pretty good recruitment. Yeah, just pinch the scouting team. Now. I, I just yeah, they I, they identify good players. Well, they were talking. Obviously, why people didn't really know why he left Leipzig, and according to their Twitter, they said that they the two had different views. And I'm guessing that's one was looking into London and they were looking into Leipzig's future. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it, their views were, I want to join Chelsea and the other one was, I don't want you to go. <laughs> you, you can't quit because you're fired. Exactly. Oh, brilliant. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, we're going to, we really do need that sporting director. So this is a technical director, very different. So we'll probably just poach the RB Leipzig to tear a sporting director because we've gone after the Salzburg one. Didn't work out. So, Right. Wesley Fafana, he went from the joy of scoring his first ever goal for Chelsea to the agonising pain of being forced off of an injury as Graham Potter secured his first ever win in the Champions League, which was essential, taking the Blues into the top two places in the Group E table. Uh, it was a sloppy first few minutes, but we, we've all been there before. I, I, I can get out of bed in the morning, fall over my shoes, face plant the floor. I wonder why I never made it as a uh, tartan paint salesman, but we recovered well, didn't we? And I'd say that that was the greatest Potter performance since the Tri-Wizard Tournament. Yes, I got one in, got one in. But Ollie, how how did you feel about the, about the game and how it evolved? I was really, really impressed. Uh, I must say, I, I thought the, like we said, the opening 15 minutes were all Milan. And I think that was kind of their game plan was to rattle us early and see if they got if they got an early quick goal a little bit like Palace did mm. to see if it could uh to see if it could make us come unstuck because it would be more likely they'd be able to defend a lead better than Palace you not that Palace are bad just AC Milan are better and um and we sort of rode the storm out for 15 minutes um had a had an interesting um pop where 
Aubameyang passed the ball on a counter-attack sort of behind Mason Mount, but he made a very good effort of it and forced the goalie into a good save. Um, and then sort of after sort of 15, 20 minutes, we started to grow into the game and we really started to dominate um, later in the game, but we were dominating the whole game on set pieces. Um, we were winning everything in the air. And the one man that we have to thank for that is, of course, Thiago Silva, who, despite being about four foot four, um, seems to always jump higher than everyone else. Bear in mind that Fikayo Tomori, of former Chelsea fame, is uh, on the other team. And I think he had the highest vertical leap in, in the league, in the top leagues last season, I think. I think he he broke Ronaldo's record. Do you remember Ronaldo's massive giant? Oh, league? yeah. I think he, he jumped higher than that. So you've got to say for Thiago Silva, you know, little four foot nothing Thiago Silva to be winning everything in the air. It was very impressive. And it led to our first goal through Fafana. And after that, it just seemed to keep falling into place, especially in the second half. We, we sort of took the foot off the gas after it went 3-0. Um, and 2-0 you know, was, a, was a poor defensive mistake from Milan, in my view. But, um, but we absolutely were playing some scintillating football, real champagne football in the second half. Up until sort of like the 60th minute, we had all the subs come on and that was kind of the end of it. But yeah, really, really impressed with the performance. Really, really impressed with um, with how Potter has managed to motivate the players. You shouldn't really need motivating on a Champions League night like this, but it was a big game because if we didn't win it and win it convincingly, our Champions League run was a worry. Oh, yeah. I mean, I watched the extended highlights and from what I saw, it was a, a solid performance from everyone involved. I I did. I needed to give a special mention here to the greatest right back in the world right now, Rhys James. Oh, my word. He he is not only one of our own, but I repeat, he is the best fullback in the world. And it's not even close, is it, Chris? Um. Well, I said to you all earlier that I have a bit of a hot take for tonight, and it is about Rhys James. If you're going to jump on the uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold train, then this is going to be a problem. I am not. I, 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 we all know how good he is, and I, I, I do think he's hands down the best right back in the league. You could argue the world. Um, Rick, end it there. End it there. But... I do think he could still be even better. But what holds him back is a lack of intensity in his game. I think if I always look at it from a coach's point of view, and if if I was coaching the team and he was my player, I would be looking at him thinking every game he plays at about 50% and he's still doing incredible things but he's only playing at half his maximum, I think. And I just look at him sometimes and I think, just give more, just give a little bit more. And That's he could be doing so much more than he already is. Like his output already is great, but it took him till, I think it was the 72nd minute to beat the fullback 1v1. And he went past him with ease. And you think, why has it took you 72 minutes? Why didn't you do it earlier? I just want him to be involved in the game at 100% from the off. And it seems like, it's almost like he finds the game too easy, that he just coasts <laughs> He just coasts through the game. Uh, do you know what, And Chris? I just think if he really wanted to push on, I think he, he needs to up his intensity a bit. Do you know what, Chris? I don't disagree with you. Because you, because I, I wouldn't say maybe we're playing at 50% every game, but he's. I, I, I would certainly agree with you when you said that he has more to give yet. His ceiling is higher. Yeah. You know, like he's not at his peak. He's still really young. And if he can sort of push on and give that extra sort of 10, 20% that maybe he isn't giving at the moment, 
we're not going to be talking about one the, the best fullback in the world. We'll be talking about one of the best players in the world if we're not already. Yeah. And you know, yeah. and he, he's absolutely unbelievable. And if if he can push on, if he can just eat out that extra sort of twenty percent from his game or or whatever that maybe he's not quite currently bringing, it it will be some it will be something scary for the rest of the league. It really really. Yeah, I, I, thought I mean, he played, he thought he had a really, really good game against Milan, though. Even still, and um, pocketing um, Rafael Leal is no small feat because he—I don't know what if everyone else saw that, but Rafael is a physical specimen. The way the speed and power at which he is able to move and his acceleration is absolutely ridiculous. Mm. And Reese James kept him all quiet all night to the point where he was substituted. That is unbelievable. Well, that's why we wanted to sign him, and obviously we missed out because reasons but still he is amazing and I mean we say this almost after every match about Reese James but it's just so so true the guy is incredible and we missed him so much last season and now to see him flourish I just absolutely love watching him play it does make you worry a little bit if he gets injured yeah it is yeah yeah, I agree a hundred percent the only thing that you you could say about that though is obviously we we're what Potter did against Salzburg is, you know, like he employed Sterling as a wing back in commas, but mm. he had him like really high up the pitch. Yeah. So I'm wondering if in that case, if if James got injured, you could sort of employ Sterling in that role and maybe have the likes of Cucurella on the left-hand side, not bomb on quite as much. And you sort of have the same thing, but on the opposite end, I don't know. Yeah, but even still, the, the last thing any, the last thing any Chelsea fan wants at the moment is for Reese James to get an injury. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, hundred percent. Maybe that, maybe that go, goes back to what you're saying, Chris, about maybe why that little bit extra intensity isn't there. Because maybe if you if you give that extra five percent, you increase your chances of getting injured by twenty five percent, and that you, you know yeah. maybe to him that's not worth it. I don't know. I think we've all been there at our own uh, day jobs. We think we don't want to give a hundred percent because you never know. I don't want to be injured, and you know can't can't perform my best for my company. <laughs> uh, I mean. He may not have won Lion of the Week last weekend, but Loftus-Cheek certainly put his name in lights against Milan. And look, this is kind of frustrating with him because he has these types of games every now and then. And then they're followed up by a couple where he has the first touch of Romelu Lukaku in his prime at Man United and no speed of a decision. <laughs> but but so far this season, he's been pretty consistent and one of our best players. I don't know what you made of his showing. I thought he was excellent. Ran the midfield. Um, was really good, um, really helped to uh, overrun AC Milan's midfield. I did think, interestingly enough, that the the it seemed that Potter, whatever Potter's doing with him and Kovacic, that was the best midfield we've had all season by a mile. Mm. And you know, against AC Milan, no less. And it's interesting that you could say, "Don't kill me, Twitter," that when Jorginho <laughs> came on the pitch for Kovacic, the intensity left the game a little bit. Which is kind of, in a sense, is what you want because you want Jorginho to come on and control the game. But he didn't really control the game more than Kovacic was doing and he kind of just slowed down the pace where we, when we were all over them. So I, it, do, I do agree, but the only thing I would say is I, I do think Loftus-Cheek and Kovacic did both have very good games. But that first 15, 20 minutes of the game, we gave away so many sloppy passes. That's true. Especially especially in midfield. And I think sometimes that that's why Jorginho plays, uh, especially starts ahead of one of them too. Because he's got the safe ball, isn't he? He's very safe on the ball. And in opening periods of games especially, if you give away sloppy possession, 
and go a goal down, it would have been a different game. So I think sometimes that's why Jorginho starts because he controls the game from the start and then Loftus-Cheek and Kovacic can come on into games when maybe we need a goal or you've got full control over the game anyway. So you don't I don't really see that as that. being an issue as long as we're as long as Potter's building a team that is going to intensify the more it plays. If you know what I mean. So like yeah. we sort of grow into yeah. the game as we play it, and then you can sort of later in the game you can bring Jorginho off if he's a bit leggy and because you know what he's like on counter attacks and stuff, and then yeah. you know bring on someone like Loftus Cheek who's a huge sort of physical presence. Um, you know, with good dribbling, good passing ability. Maybe then when it's a bit more comfortable, players are a bit more tired, they're standing off a little bit more, not pressing as much. Maybe that's what gives him a little bit more space to operate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do you guys reckon that Eduard Mendy will instantly come back once he's fully recovered to the start in 11? Because Kepa has been very solid and some good saves, not only just against Milan, but against Palace too. And we touched on that on Monday. I mean, his ball distribution for me is also better than Mendy by a mile. I, for me oh, as well, like I, I would have to agree. I think Kepa's gonna. I think Kepa's gonna stay number one personally, and not necessarily his ball distribution, but I think his comfort on the ball. He's very comfortable, you know, sort of passing the ball around the back and acting almost as like a ne- another defender, you know, in the passing lane. Uh, you know, we've been we've been talking about it for months where Mendy would sort of make a slip up per game, roughly, and, and it was all to do around you know whether he passed the ball, whether he pass it to their striker or their winger or knock it out for a throw-in or or entirely mess it up and, and cause a goal like we had a, against Leeds earlier in the season. And yeah, I have more I, conf- I have more confidence in Kepper to not do that. I don't think as well. Um if you look at it, it it, it was an unfortunate in injury for Mendy, but really when that's the only real why goalkeepers get a chance to use the perceived number one is for an injury or a suspension. Unless the form is really bad. Yeah, unless the form's terrible. But really, it normally comes from an injury or a suspension. Now, I think Kepa's come in and he's took his chance. I don't think he would deserve to be dropped. I, I, I think he's been excellent so far. I do think he's a lot more comfortable on the ball. And I mean, I could argue that he's been a better shot stopper. Mendy was starting to... Yes, he'd make the save, but he'd put it into dangerous areas. Um, Kepa looks very assured. This is the best version of Kepa I think I've seen at Chelsea. He looks very confident, doesn't he? Yeah. There was a moment as well, earlier in the season when Mendy was playing, I can't remember who it was against, but he got the ball um, in front of his own goal and he tried to play the clipped ball out to the left back. Was that Leeds? It It might have been. Feels like Leeds. And he put it out of play. And then a couple of minutes later, he tried it again and he put it out of play. And then he tried it a third time and he put it out of play. <laughs> Kepa on Wednesday, the first time he tried that pass, he put it out of play. The next time, pinpoint. And I think that's the difference. I think Kepa, he will still make mistakes with his feet because he's a goalkeeper. So they're not going to be perfect all the time. But mm. I think he's a lot more consistent with it. And he makes better decisions, quicker decisions as to where his next pass is going to be. And I think that's going to be a major... Do you know what I really uh, like? He started dominating his box a lot more as well. Do you know what I really like about Kepa? And it's and people are going to say this laugh a little bit and going to say it's a bit of a meme because of like the Kepa's a manager joke that goes around. But he reads the game expertly, and all the time you will see him talking. If he's on the bench, he's talking to players 
if he's on the pitch, he's pointing at people all over the place, trying to, you know, trying to establish tactics and things like that. When the ball's not in play, he's talking to people, trying to, you know, manage tactics and things like that. And, you know, even you've seen like in the past when he has played, say, if there's a dangerous ball in the box, it's a really niche scenario. And he's and he was on it straight away. He moved up to form a new offside line so that the last defender would, was essentially acting as the goalie in that sort of offside yeah. line, and which caused yeah. um, our opposition to get confused and play the ball offside. Mm. Really, really astute, clever play. Reads the game really, really well. And like I said, people will say, oh, it's a bit of a meme because he, you know, like, because you know, he didn't want to go off the pitch once. Mm. But he, he has the ability to really be a good tactical leader in this team. Yeah, I hope he does. And get I think the he, I, I think he really, I think he really loves the club as well. Like I, I think a lot of our players get a lot of support for that, and, and, and rightly so. The ones who are perceived to, to love the club, get a lot of support. I think you can see that Kepa must genuinely care about the club from the way he acts around the bench. I mean, he come in as the world's most expensive goalkeeper. He's was been made a number two. He's sat on the bench for a long, long time. He's never complained about it. He, he's got on with his job. He's Modern very profession. professional. Yeah, I think he deserves this this chance he and this purple does, patch. Because he's, you know, and this is a key difference between a player like Kepper in theory and a player like Pulisic, both sort of fringe players for a long time. And Pulisic mm. still is. Where yeah. <laughs> in that in that scenario. You put your head down and you work hard and you find your opportunity and you take it. And Pulisic, yeah. you get your dad to write something on Twitter, release a book slandering a manager and complain all the time. So, like, and that's the difference, you know, and, and that's what makes people go, you know what, like, pe- and that's what made people change their minds from, from Kepper in the first place. He had some, I'll be the first to say, he had an absolutely shocking form for a few se- uh, for at least a season, if not two. Yeah. Worse statistically in the top five leagues by a mile. Mm. But he's he seems to have come back stronger from it. And, you know, he strikes me as a very much a confidence player. But when his confidence is high, I don't see him getting usurped by anybody. I mean, we've been linked with Diogo Jota from Porto. So it was Diogo Costa. Oh, is it Costa? See, not Jota. What will it? He would not be very <laughs> useful in uh, in goal. So have you seen um... how many headers he scores though? He can jump. Yeah. <laughs> right. We will we'll end on Wesley Fafana. He opens the scoring on minute twenty-four and then minute thirty-eight he's he's heading off the field with what looked like a nasty knee injury. And you know, we were thinking it will be a four to six week recovery time at the best, you know, if it was a knee sprain. It's not going to be that. Well it was, thankfully. It's not an ACL or an MCL tear. Thank so God. In, in those thirty-eight minutes, he he did play. But how crucial do you feel he could be in a Graham Potter team long term? I, th- I think he'll be important, but to a certain degree, I think he's slightly, unfortunately for him, his goal and how well he was playing against AC Milan was slightly undermined by the fact that Chalaba had to come on for him and did just as well. So Strength and depth. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's the thing that I really like. I think he's going to be very, very important, of course, because he's a very excellent you know, excellently talented young centre back, but at the same time, you've got Ch- Chalibur on the bench as well. Who, you know, bear in mind, whenever we, he started, we've never lost. Oh, yeah, good point. I think you know, 
I think he will be important because I think Potter will give him the time and the coaching that he needs and he's learning from Thiago Silva, obviously. So I think he'll only get better. I, to be honest with you, I've been a little bit underwhelmed with him so far. I think he's looked a little bit uncomfortable in the environment that he's in. He looks a bit nervous. The pressure, maybe. Yeah, he looks very expensive like... expensive defender, very young. Yeah, looks like he's scared to make a mistake. Um I do think his goal against AC Milan was was a good goal, but that opening fifteen minutes he looked very shaky, and there was one the tackle on, I think I think it was on Leao in the box after yeah, he'd gone past was, him. He was, was very, he was so lucky. lucky. He was yeah so lucky not to give a penalty away. It's only because Leao lost his foot in that he didn't take him down. So I do think there is room for improvement uh, at the minute and. I, I think it's important think, to look, look I, I at think it in Because the... Because that yeah. was their game plan, Milan. They were going to hit us hard in the opening. Yeah. 15, so you're going to be under the cosh like that. Mm. I think Chalobah's been a little bit unlucky, though, to be honest. I, I agree. Like, I know Fafana's a, a big money sign in and he might have a higher ceiling than Chalobah. So he's going to play. But I, I don't think Chalobah's ever done anything wrong, really, to not no, I be I, a part get... of the team. You get so many people who slander Chalibur, and I've, I think I've only ever seen him do a handful of things like a little bit poorly. Like, um, it, what comes to mind is when he almost, I think it was last season even, uh, he almost gave away a penalty. He definitely should have been a penalty against Newcastle. Yeah, against Newcastle, yeah. Um, but that, like, apart from that, that is more or less the only thing I can think of that he's ever really done poorly. Occasionally, he's a little rash in the challenge. I think that's fair to say. But apart from that, I think it, yeah. it's been a bit, Unlucky for him to be like consigned to the bench, being tried out as a DM, things like that, you know, because I don't know. It seems like he he, he deserves his place. Mm. I mean, and he'll, he'll get the yeah. chance now, I suppose, with Fafana injured, won't he? Yeah, exactly. So we'll see how that develops into next week's uh, encounter with Milan. Right. It's time for Lion of the Week. This weekend, we're welcoming Wolves to the bridge, the return of Diego Costa, but I don't care about that. I care about your selections for our Lion of the Week. So, who are you looking at this weekend, guys? Oh, I've given this no thought. <laughs> Me neither. So I'm going to have to think. Of, I'm going to have to think about I, I, it now. This is kind of one of them games, Chris. To be fair, where we take on a team who they can't score a goal, so it's like they they have Maron Schmack and Andy Carroll in the lineup. This, of course, means Wolves will win four 0 I was going to say three 0 Wolves, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark Cucurella, we do know, is back after missing last week with a throat illness. I'd assume probably due to eating a dictionary, because that would explain why he had a thesaurus throat. <laughs> oh, that anyway. was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. Hey, I'm living up to that um, that reference <laughs> someone made about the uh, office, the David Brent. So, ha. But uh, for me, I've gone with Abamyang. He'll, he'll, he'll get the back line of wolves and will ironically rip them apart like a pack of wolves. I mean, it worked for Chris when he picked him last week, so <laughs> I'm going Abamyang. But... Ollie, Chris is having some time to think it over. Who have you got in mind? I'm just trying to think about the way that Wolves are going to play. And Wolves are probably going to play quite a defensive, quite a reserved game. Because they, because it's an interim manager, to a certain degree, they're going to be playing a similar way to the way they usually do, but probably a little bit less so, a little bit retrenched. Hmm. So I'm, I think our attacking players will have a better chance to, um, coming up. And so... If I had to pick somebody to stand out, I'm going to, I'm personally, it might be, it's a bit of a cop out. I'm going to pick Reese James. 
Um, I think Reese James is gonna is gonna do very well. That he'll be my choice for line of the week this week. Chris, uh, you know what? I think I'm gonna go with Mason Mount. Ooh. I think he has struggled at times this season, but I thought against AC Milan, he really grew into the game and started to look bit uh, like his old self. Bit like his old self, yeah. And I think was unlucky not this to get could a goal be the game assist, for him. You know? Yeah, and he's he's. Genuinely done pretty well against Wolves. He scored at Molyneux. That's true. Under Lampard. He scored last game of the season under Lampard against Wolves He did Wolves have a well. sort of opening 15 against Milan. Um, he, he misplaced yeah. a lot of yeah, balls, fell over a bit. But then after that, yeah, like you say, grew into the game. Yeah, sort of yeah really, he really scored, things. scored the goal. It was credited as offside. And I saw some Twitter accounts go, yeah, oh, come on. How much oh. can we not like someone, really? Let's support everyone. Not It's just dreadful how, to how say. You, oh, oh, no. I don't get I don't get it. I do not get it at all. Before we sign off, we're going to find out who is that former blue. So at the start, I said this former blue played 72 times for Chelsea in his career so far. He has won four league titles across two clubs. He was included in the UEFA Champions League team squad of the season for 14-15. And he has played with Ricardo Cavallo, Axel Witzel and Neto. No, we're going to need the clubs, Mikey. I know you are. Yeah. I didn't write the name down. Shocking. I am. I am disgusted. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I genuinely just looked and thought, I know I wrote that down. I did. I did. I can't. I do remember who it is. You could have. We'll have to um, let's just quickly look at who played with Wesley Gasolina. Ah, yes. That'll narrow yeah. it down. That will actually help me this time. I mean, that's hilarious on the fly, but it does help because I, I can quickly uh, look up. He didn't play for many teams. Right. I found the name. I found the name. <laughs> right. So he played He played with Ricardo Cavallo at Real Madrid. He played with Axel Witzel at Atletico Madrid. He played with Neto at Juventus. Any idea? Do you know what? I honestly feel as though like we should know who this is. Did you if say seventy? For... Did you say seventy-two appearances? For... Seventy-two appearances for Chelsea. For Chelsea. If they played for Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Juventus, and Chelsea, we definitely should know who it is. Yeah. Oh uh, no! Wait, maybe definitely is it Wesley. It is Salvador Morata. Oh, well done. I mean, yeah. I'm glad someone remembered because obviously I, I didn't even write the name down, so I had to quickly think who played with all those players. I completely I forgot he played for um played for Real Madrid. I well, was trying to think who, was, like where did he go? And then yeah, like because the meme is is that he's a, he's just a money laundering yeah. scheme because he's not very good at football. <laughs> I love the I fact can't, I, I can't believe he's won four league titles. <laughs> yeah, he won <laughs> he won two at you Real Madrid and two at um Juve. Juventus. Yeah. Uh, that, but you know what? That ball from Aspi to Morata, that was undefeated for like four games. Yeah. Yeah. And he does have two That's Champions great. League winners medals. Because that hat trick he scored against Burnley, I remember that. Oh, iconic times those were. <laughs> yeah, he only won, obviously, Europa League and the FA Cup with us. But hey, he can always point to his Champions League winners medals at Real Madrid. So, yeah, he yeah, was part crazy. of... Yeah, he was part of the... Um, Champions League squad of the season for 14-15. So he was, I think he was representing, was it Juve then? Had to be, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah it had so. to be. Yeah, Juventus. Yeah. 
because obviously Real Madrid had Ronaldo, so they had no room for Morata. Yeah, isn't that the year Juve made the final, lost to Barca? I'm gonna nod. I think he was. I think yes. I think he, he scored in it. I think he was one yeah, of the scored. top scorers. As he well. scored the equaliser. Yeah. yeah, he scored the equaliser in that. So there we go. Way we got there in the end. Uh yeah. That's all. That's what matters. That's what matters. That's what you're Absolutely. here for. So with that, we've come to the end of another episode of At the Bridge Pod. We'll be back Monday to talk Wolves and look ahead to a trip to Milan. Um, yeah, in the Champions League. So till Monday. That'll be us, Sonny. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.